What a joy it is to be doing it in the name of Jesus. We are here at the name of Jesus. We are doing these things in the name of Jesus. We are doing these things because in the Word of God, it says to do these things. And so <clears throat> it's been a big day for us here at the Vineyard. This morning was, uh, was a little off the chart. and We got our, our student ministry up and running off the chart. Everything is just running off the chart. And, uh, and so we want to just talk and, uh, stop and take a minute, and I want to talk to you, uh, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to keep this really short, because I want to introduce you to an amazing man, but let me just share this with you. I want to call this, Everyone Gets to Play. That's what I want to call it. Everyone Gets to Play. Alright? Who are you comfortable sitting next to in church? Who can come to church with you? Look, look, look over to your left and see who's there. Look, look over to your left, okay? Yeah, there you go. Look over at your right. Is it, is it okay for them to be there? Are you, are you good with these people? It's, we're all good? It's like, yeah, Pastor Joe, we know each other. Okay, okay. But listen, we want to grow this church up. And we want to fill this church up. Remember? Fill the church. Embrace the promise. Remember this morning? Fill the church. Embrace the promise of where God is leading us. But I was asking myself, who can come to church here? Can the prostitutes come to church? Is that all good? In Luke chapter 7, the scripture says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. And a woman in that house had lived a sinful life and learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, and she kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him to this party saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of a woman this was. She is a sinner. Listen, I'm a sinner. Saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and plucked out of the mud and the mire and set on a solid rock, but I, I still started as a sinner. When I started, I was just a little baby Christian back in 1977, a year most of you probably don't even know. Okay? I'm, I'm aging myself, but a good, good number of you don't know that year, personally, experientially. I did. I started going to this little youth group at about 1975, 1976. And in 1977, right, probably before I surrendered my life to Jesus, I was in a room with 30 other youth and we were worshiping God. And right next to me sat this little curly-headed girl, 17 years old herself, named Tammy. She was a prostitute. And it shocked me. Even as a kid raised in, in, the, in just a dark pit of hell, incestuous, alcoholic, adultery, I mean, it's just tough. But still, it, it caught me off guard. It's like, whoa, everybody can come to Jesus. Everybody. Can children come to Jesus? You know, we don't have that you know, rule that don't bring your little baby tiny children in here, you know, because it messes up the recording. We don't have that rule. I'm going to hear to throw rocks at, you know, if, if somebody does, but we don't have that rule. And every once in a while I hear a child and I think, oh, man, you know. But guess what? People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. <clears throat> but Jesus called the children and said, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. Can the blind and the crippled, can the deaf sit next to you? Can they hang out with you? Will you go the extra mile for these people as well? And Jesus as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting in the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them, told them to be quiet. 
They shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, Lord, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Could God only use the perfect? Could God only use the whole? Can God only use the self-righteous? Can God not use whoever God wants to use? And does not, is, is God not the God who uses people in an effort to shock other people to help them to understand that He can save anybody over and over again? I just got to thinking about who did Jesus call to follow Him? Who did Jesus minister to? Whose house did Jesus go to? Who did He party with? And I began to read the story of Jesus in the Gospels all over again. The cripples, the blind men, the chronically ill, the lepers, the women, the Samaritans, the hypocrites, the religious folk, the children, the adulterers, the thieves, the lonely, the persecuted, the prostitutes, and the criminals. Jesus said that they were all welcome, that everybody gets to play. Come as you are, but don't stay that way. He never allowed them to remain as they were as he interacted with them. Every single person that ever interacted with Jesus was changed. Even the man that I shared with you this morning that rejected him, he was still changed. He had made a decision inside of his soul. He had made a scar, and it caused him to be changed from there on out. He, something happened to him, even when it's not the outcome we want to see. But it still happens. I'll share these three things with you. And I want you to understand that there is a place for everybody. Jesus made it very clear while he was on this earth that there is room for everybody at the table of the Lord. There is room for everybody at the table of the Lord. And it is our responsibility as a congregation to welcome people in. If they don't look right, if they don't look like us, if they don't smell like us, if they don't act like us, we still welcome them in. The scripture says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him it might be saved. So it's really clear, isn't it? God is not mad at the world. It doesn't get any simpler than that. For God so loved the world, he is not mad at the world. Not at the filthy, awful, nasty, horrible sinners, but he wants them to change. He wants them to change. He wants them to buy in to the message of redemption. The second thing is that the, the, those the world deems worthy or not qualified, God sees as potential. That should be not, yeah, seems as not worthy or not qualified. God sees as potential. There's somebody there. If we will take the time to interact with them, if we will take the time to disciple them, if we will take the time to shepherd them, if we will take the time to walk with them, but time means there's something we're not going to get to do, that life is not all about me and what I want to do. We are called to take the time, and we want to be aware of that. A pagan became the father of a nation, that was Abraham. A murderer became the supreme leader of a nation of slaves, that was Moses. A shepherd subdued a nation with a rock and became a famous king, even still the king when he kind of fell out of sorts morally. <clears throat> a fisherman became a megachurch pastor with absolutely no training whatsoever. He simply stood up and said, repent. And 3,000 people said, what should we do? What should we do? Jesus came for ragamuffins, for whoever's. And I really think it would be a great Dr. Seuss book if we could have a whosoever. In a land of whosoever's, 
Because I am a whosoever. Unspiritual, cast aside, not worthy, unproductive ragamuffins. That's who Jesus ran with. And that's who he built this whole church thing up with. Jesus came for the least of these. Everyone gets to play. Last thing I want to share with you. Everyone gets to play because we are all gifted in the kingdom of God. A young man that I moved out here to help, Jason Carpenter, was famous for saying over and over and over and over again, everybody is a 10 at something. You were created to be a part of the body, actually. You you may have chosen not to, but you were actually uh, created to be a part of it. There is something about you, your gifting, your personality, the way you see things, the way you do things, that enhances the body of Christ if you will plug in. It does. But too often, we're told that our gift isn't good enough. Or maybe the only gift we want is somebody else's gift. We go through life thinking, if I could be up on the stage, if I could be this person over here, or if I could be popular, and we miss that, that take one little tiny gear out of your watch or out of your clock, the one that nobody sees, not the one, not the hand that moves, take that gear out and the whole system shuts down. You may be that gear, but it doesn't make you any less important because you're not obvious. You have to believe that you were created to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the scripture says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed those in the church, apostles, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. God has created everybody a tent at something. We can't hardly run this church without administrative people because somebody has to make up for my lack. We can't hardly run this church without somebody that looks past the end of their nose because I can see just about to there on a Sunday. Just about. God continues to put people in this church that are equally as important as any of the staff members in this church. It's just that we need that plugged in and we need to find out where it is. Tonight we come near to Jesus because we cry out to be healed. Because we are welcome at the table of God. Tonight we come to to be near to Jesus because we want to touch His garment. Tonight we come to Jesus because we want to wet His feet with our tears. And it doesn't matter what anybody around us says. The church has a place for you. And we want to hear Him call our name. God says to you that you are welcome at the table of God. You are welcome. You know, the Scripture says in Lord, let me get this right. In the book of Joel, chapter 2, in the latter days, and Peter quoted that in that big famous sermon that made him a big mega pastor, 3,000 people. He said, Joel said, in the latter days, I will pour out my spirit on your sons. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a man, God wants to use you. If you're a woman, be quiet and sit down. And yet the scripture goes on and says, and daughters, and they will prophesy. In the Greek, that word prophesy means they will retell what God said. They will tell you what God is saying. And if necessary, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they will foretell what God wants you to know. But he said, I will pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters. Everybody is welcome at the table of God. If you have felt useless, if you have felt 
empty, if you have felt like your gift isn't welcome, if you have felt like, probably more than anything, I don't know what my part is, this is a good place to begin. I just want to say to you tonight, as we anticipate going into communion, that Jesus wants you, and he wants you plugged in. And I want to encourage you in that. Now, we were going to go into a ministry time, but I'm just going to tell you right now, is this terrible? I'm not feeling it. You know, I'm just not feeling like the Lord is saying to stop the service and let's just start praying over people. I'm not. We may do that in just a little bit. Michael said he'll roll with it, whatever happens up here. But I want to introduce you to a man that I talked to or talked about this morning. This morning I said, we talked about the invitation, right? What's the greatest invitation you have ever received? Greatest invitation I ever received came from a man named Kevin Clark, Men and Jimmy Fields. Would you come and have dinner with us? Can we talk about what God is doing in your life and the life of the church? At a time when I thought, probably stayed too long in Richmond, Kentucky, and fell in love with Richmond, Kentucky, but God, can you still use me? And they said, come on up here. And we want to do something with you. Greatest invitation I ever received. Also happens to be our regional leader. I serve underneath of him as our area leader. And tonight we're going to do something. We are going to ordain Janice Wood into the ministry. Now she's been dallying just a little bit with the idea that maybe God wants her to go back to the university and and, uh, ordination is not an academic achievement. Ordination is an installation into a role. That's what you ordain people into something, not because they've achieved enough Bible classes. Okay? And I've come to the understanding and the belief that God has made it perfectly clear to Janice Wood that she is not to go back into the university, that her role is in the church. And she's been licensed for quite a while to bury people, to marry people if you want her to. But tonight we want to take a, a, a stand and we want to say that everybody is welcome at the, kingdom, at the table of the kingdom of God, women as well. That's what we believe. And so I'm going to invite Kevin to come up here and share with us for a minute. And when he's done... Um, I'm going to invite some, uh, well, I'm just going to let him do it. This is Kevin Clark. Won't you make him welcome? (laughs) Kevin Clark is actually the reason that there's a room here for you to sit in, and and it's called Vineyard. And you did this, and I got to be a part of it. And so thank you very much. God bless you. I didn't do any of this. (laughs) (laughs) I just said yes to you. And you said yes to this, and you and Janice, you guys did. You guys did all the work. Um, I am uh, I'm humbled to be here tonight. I'm honored to be here. I want to say thank you to your pastor for inviting me, uh, especially for such um, an incredible moment of worship. Jesse, thank you, and the team, thank you. But also to be a part of this special moment with you, Janice, to say yes to what God has already sent, said yes to in your life. And, you know, you're here with friends, you're here with family tonight, and you're here with your Christian brothers and sisters tonight to celebrate what it is that God is doing in your life. And I just want you to know that that is an honor. It's an honor for me to say anything. Even if I just said Janice, 
that that would be that would be a complete honor. And, and I also want to say um, I don't know if you know know it or not, but uh, your new uh, assistant pastor um, Isaac Witt. That's my son-in-law, and this is my daughter over here. So yeah. So we are in Kentucky. We just keep sharing family. <laughs> That's how we roll, baby. Welcome to the vineyard. Welcome to the South. Vineyard in the South. Welcome to the vineyard in the South. Yes, it's different. It's different. In the New Testament, uh, ministers were set apart and commissioned by the church to lead in specific roles. I love that word, to lead in specific roles in the church like that of a pastor. So what the New Testament does is the New Testament then provides us, if it's calling us to that, and there's examples of that, then the New Testament provides us a very accurate, clear picture of the necessary qualities of what a pastor is supposed to look like, a leader in the church. And I want to go through uh, a few of those, actually more than a few. We're in Kentucky. A few could mean whatever. The first is gifting. Uh, it, it's, uh, is it obvious when you're going to ordain someone, you have to ask the question, is it obvious that God has a call on this person's life? And how, how do you know? How do you know a person is called to leadership? How do you know a person is called to pastor? Well, does this person even have a gift of leadership? And, and the, the, the way you answer that question is, is anybody following them? Because, you know, the old, there's a leadership proverb that says, uh, he who thinks he leads and no one follows is only taking a walk. <laughs> so you have to look. Is, you have to turn around. As a leader, you have to look around and say, is there anybody behind me? Is there anybody following? So we're, we're looking for that. We're looking for that. When this person speaks, we have to ask ourselves, does anybody listen? It doesn't mean that, you know, every great leader is going to be a great communicator, but every great leader has something to say, and people are extremely interested in what it is they have to say. Scripture says this in Romans 12. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. And we hope there's a lot of givers. As pastors, we hope there's a lot of people with that gift right there. Give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, here we go, Janice. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So gifting is one of the things that we're looking for when we ordain someone uh, based on New Testament example. Another thing we're looking for is character. Does this person have a character, that, a character base that will support their gifting? Gifting is important, but the next thing in line after that is character because your gifting will take you places, but your, your character is what will keep you there. You know, your gifting can attract a crowd, but your, your character is what will keep the crowd gathering and is what will keep the crowd growing in the knowledge and faith of Jesus Christ. You know, character is who you are when no one's watching. That's what character is, who you are when no one's watching. And Janice, really, all these people that you're leading, all they want to know is that 
Are you who you are when the lights come on every single day of your life? When you're on the stage, when you're in here, when you're moving about, when you're walking through the halls, is that who you are when you're not in this building? Character matters. First Timothy 3 says, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife slash husband, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He or she must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him or her, and he must do so in a manner worthy, full of respect. So we're looking for gifting. We're looking for character. And next we're looking for maturity. And I think, I think the question we have to ask ourselves in this one is, like literally, like how long has this person been following Jesus Christ? See, there, there's just an advantage for everybody that's younger in the room tonight. Um, there's just an advantage that we have of those of us who are older, not because we're better, not because we even know more than you. It, it, the advantage we have is that we have just been on this planet longer than you. And so there's something about following Jesus. Like, how long has this person been following Jesus? First Timothy 3.6 says, A church leader must not be a new Christian. A new Christian might become proud and fall into sin, which is brought on by the devil. What kind of experience does this person have? That's what you're looking for. How experienced is this person with, with failure? You know, Nothing will mature you like failure. Nothing. As a matter of fact, I, 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 I'm an expert at that. Um, but nothing will mature you like failure. I, I intentionally like to walk with people who walk with a limp. I like to listen to people. I like to listen to pastors and leaders who have failed, and, and they walk with a little bit of a limp when they walk because there's just something that, that I can learn. Maybe there's something I can learn about their failure so I don't have to make the same mistake, right? So we're looking for gifting. We're looking for character. We're looking for maturity. And finally, we're looking for track record, track record. First Timothy 5 says, never be in a hurry. I love what you said, Joe. You, you, said, you said she's been licensed. There's been a process here. You know, she's, able to, she's been able to marry and bury, you know. But, but now there's a next step. There's not been a rush in this. We've been pondering. We've been praying. We've been, we've been watching. We've been looking for a track record. Again, it says, never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. That's, that's what Scripture says. So is there a track record of leadership with this person? We're not looking. Here's what we're not looking for. We're not looking for just a few great moments. We're looking for history. We're looking for a track record. We're looking for consistency. So, when spiritual leadership is recognized over a period of time, it's time to ordain what God is already doing. So again, the qualifications for ordination according to Scripture are gifting, character, maturity, and track record. So Janice, having observed all of the above in your life, we're here tonight to ordain you, Janice Wood, into the service of God's church through the vineyard. Would you and Joe mind joining me on stage? I thought that was the beginning of a clap. <laughs> Say just one, just one. I'll let you know when to do that. 
Janice, I'm going to read some scripture. The word of God, you know this, is extremely powerful. It's more than just black ink on white paper. The word of God is God speaking to us. His word brings life to us. It renews our mind, yes, but it goes much deeper than that. It speaks deeply to our spirit. So I just want to make sure that we, I know you know that, but I just want to make sure that we all understand the sobering moment that we're in right here. Because we don't know love, we don't know church, and we don't know ordination or anything that we're doing right now if it wasn't for God. All of this, all of this is happening because of God. You said a few minutes ago, all of this happened because of me. Well, let's go deeper than that. All of this is happening because God. We just, I, we just showed up 16 years ago, my wife, and Ed, we, my wife and I did. We came back home, and all we did was we just tried to see what the Father was doing, and we just joined him. And then he did everything. We just said yes, whatever it is, and we just said yes. And this is, this is part of what happened. So I'm going to read some scripture. And after every one of these passages I read to you from the word of God, I just want you to repeat out loud, with God's help, I will. With God's help, I will. The first one is Acts 20, 28. Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you. First Timothy six, first, first Timothy 1, 6 through 7 says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. So it's not on you, it's in you. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Second Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared. Whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. One more. First Peter 5. Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. If you wouldn't mind, would you please stand? Let's honor this moment. And I want, uh, I'd like to ask all of you to stretch your hands this way because understand you're a part of this as well. Ordination is, is really a response of what you guys are seeing in her, in her life. And you're saying we're ordaining that. We see the maturity, we see the track record. We see the character. We see all of this, and we want to say yes. 
You're saying yes by stretching your hand this way tonight. Here's what you're doing. You're saying yes to the call of God that is on Janice Wood's life. And I say yes. Whatever power God has given me, whatever authority God has given me as a regional leader, I say yes. But more importantly, as your brother in Christ, I say yes to you. Can we pray? Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Jesus. This is a holy moment, God. This is a moment where we hit the pause button just for a second. We stop the music. And we just say yes to you. We say yes to you and the people that you have set apart to do your work. Janice is your hands and feet on this planet. And it is evident, Lord, that you have called her to serve in a very specific role in your kingdom. And as her brothers and sisters in Christ, we just say yes. We say yes to that call. We say yes to this ordination. We say yes to the giftings and the abilities that you've put in our life, Lord. We say yes to every book that you've put in our heart. We say yes to every message that you've put in her heart, Jesus. We say yes. Take her, set her apart, and use her for your glory, Lord. We just declare that you are going to do amazing things through her life. The best is yet to come. We sang that tonight. The best is yet to come. This, this isn't the end of something. This is the beginning of a, a brand new start. This is another chapter. She writes books. This is just another chapter. This is another book. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what we feel right now. Thank you for what we see right now. Thank you for what's happening right now in this moment. May this moment be forever sealed in our hearts and in our lives. And in this church, we say yes. Congregation, can you say yes? Yes, yes, yes. I'm not finished. <laughs> First Timothy 4.14, I read this over. You do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands by the eldership. You guys saw it, right? You saw that tonight. She's not going to neglect the gift. You tug on that gift that's in her. Isaiah 6.8. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here am I. Send me. We ordain you to this calling, into this church, on this day. And everybody said amen. 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 amen.